Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew. We are professors of sexuality, which is my favorite title to tell people, but also I get really nervous telling people that because then you never know what question comes next. But that's really what we do. It's really our job. And that's why we have a podcast where we can talk to you about these things. We love answering your questions about sex, but sometimes when someone knows that you're a sexologist or a sex researcher, they ask you weird questions at weird times. Like <laughs> one time I was changing in a locker room and another and someone I work with came up to me and asked me a question and I'm like I don't have pants on right now you can ask me your sex question in like six minutes when my hair is dry and I have pants on Um, (laughs) I don't normally care if my hair is wet you can ask me sex questions when my hair is wet as long as my pants are on um I don't know. I mean, it also happens like when I'm at parties, people will corner me and ask me like really intimate questions about their life or their partner or a body part or a penis. And like, all right, all right, this is a party. I'm happy to chat with you about it. Maybe another time. But we do have a great podcast we recommend. (laughs) And and we do. I mean, what episode are we up to? This has to be almost 170, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Like uh, we have... I mean, who would have thought we started this thing five years ago and uh, you you would think that we would have answered every single possible sex question, except we still have hundreds in the queue. And we have so uh, th- many to answer. And, and thank you, listeners, for like keep submitting them. We love to hear them. Uh, we love when you, when you send one in. Uh, and we're sorry if we don't get to it right away. Uh, we try. Um, there's a lot of questions, but that, which is good. It just means that we're doing something that needs to be done, that the world has a lot of questions about sex. Uh, and thank you for not being afraid to ask them. Yeah. So important. It's so important to ask questions and to really try to understand this, uh, world of sexuality, because there's so much shame and stigma still in our culture. And we need to talk about these things and we need to clear that so that we can have really happy, healthy sex lives, which is part of being a happy, healthy human. I mean, you just can't separate yourself from your sex or your sexuality. When you try to repress it, it gets out somewhere. So it's always better to have actual good information so you can make the best possible choices for being happy and healthy and sexual. Like we're not telling you, we would never tell people not to have sex, but just Do it in ways that you protect yourself, protect the people around you, and make sure you can do it again the next day. (laughs) Unless, what's our question today? Today, our question is, how do I know if I have a yeast infection? Yes. So that is a great question, really important. Um, And for women who get them pretty frequently, uh, they know because they've had them a bunch and they've gone to the doctor. The thing is, you don't know what kind of infection you have unless you go get it checked at least once or twice. Um, so how do you know if you have a yeast infection? Itchy, burny, scratchy, rashy, and then cottage cheesy-ish discharge. Cottage cheese discharge is like telltale sign. Um, But we always say that the first time you have a yeast infection, you need to get it checked by a doctor because there sometimes are other things that it could be. And there are commonly misdiagnosed things. And 
But it's like, once you've had it once, then you're like, okay, I know. So then after that, okay, you can use the common signs and symptoms to self-diagnose and buy a treatment over the counter. But the first time that you have any burning or itching down there, (laughs) go to a doctor. And that's because if we look at the vagina, it's natural, like a, a vagina naturally has a whole bunch of yeast in it. It also has a whole bunch of bacteria in it. And they're both, you know, doing their own thing, fighting a little war with each other. Um, and if you think you have a yeast infection, but you have a bacterial infection, um, and there's a lot of those, we'll talk about those, I'm sure someday, like natural bacteria can overgrow just like natural yeast can overgrow. Uh, if you take one of the over-the-counter treatments and you kill off all of the rest of your yeast, then the bacteria can just go spiral essentially out of control, which is why it's so important for the first time. Or if you're not sure, right? Like if the symptoms don't line up with what you've had in the past, make sure. Um, And I think it's pretty important for us to go over what those symptoms are. So the symptoms of a yeast infection, I kind of went through them pretty quickly, but um, the first is redness and swelling and itching all around your vaginal opening. So like the opening area of the vagina is itchy and red and swollen. It can make it hard to put things in. It can make it painful to put things in. It can make it really itchy. Um, So it's looking for that redness, swelling and itchy. It's kind of like if you get like a bad cut in your body and it's that sort of infected and puffy and red and itchy, it's the same kind of thing, except it happens at the entrance to the vagina. So yeah, you could notice that if you were attempting to have any type of sexual interaction or if you were trying to put a tampon in and you would say, oh, it feels really, it feels like really itchy when I'm trying to do that. Um, that would be a sign because sometimes you would have that symptom before you would even really feel um, anything like itching or burning without touching, but the actual touching of the area could be really sensitive. And once again, I want to say yeast infections are completely natural. It is an overgrowth of the natural yeast that is supposed to be there, um, which means anybody can get them. Any woman, any 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 trans man, anybody who has a vagina can get them, but you can also get yeast infections on your skin. You can get yeast infections in your anus or in your mouth or, or on a penis. So they can exist in other places as well. It's just much more likely to exist on and around the vagina. And so it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that you've done something bad. It doesn't mean that you haven't been taking your care of yourself. It's just when something gets out of balance. And so a lot of different things can cause that. And so just like um, when you get a cold, you know, like your immune system might be compromised for any number of reasons and you could get the cold. So just in the same way, a lot of things could be causing um, the levels of yeast and bacteria to get out of balance, and then you get a yeast infection. And so the important thing is um, being able to diagnose it quickly so you can treat it because it is not comfortable, right? So you do want to say like, okay, let me get this diagnosed quickly. Um But yeah, let's talk about some of the things that can actually um, cause yeast infections. Because when we know all the things that can cause it, we can help prevent them. Um, We're not going to be always able to prevent them, them, but we can think about preventing them. (laughs) And and I think before we even get to those causes, they're common, right? Uh, When we look, we know at least three quarters of women get at least one yeast infection at some point 
in their life. Um, and we know that there's a pretty significant, about 10% of women get them persistently. They'll get you know more than four of them a year. Um, there are some women who will get them every single time they take antibiotics. Uh, but we know that they're very, very, very common. Um, they're common during pregnancy. They're common during any kind of health change or treatment. Um, and those things are all causes as well. Um, but I think one of the most important things that we can do when we're talking about what might cause one is talk about how common and how normal they are to work to destigmatize them. Because I think a lot of women are really uncomfortable talking about them or sharing about them or going to the doctor, right? Like if it's really bad, you still need to go to the doctor and get checked out because, you know, most of the time, if you have a yeast infection, you can get it treated in one to seven days, depending. And we're going to talk about that after the break. Um, but it is important because sometimes they can last longer. But when we get into those causes, some of them are really normal, like things that happen in your everyday life. Did you know not sleeping enough can lead to you getting a yeast infection? Something as simple as like not sleeping. Uh, <laughs> I feel exhausted just thinking about how, how not sleeping can impact so many aspects of your health and your life, right? Sleep is so important. I am a bad sleeper. Fortunately, I do not have a vagina. If I did, I would just like if sleep was a cause of my or lack of sleep was a cause of yeast infections for me, I would just be like yeasty constantly. You could just call me baked bread. Yeah. All right. So things like lack of sleep. Um, if you're really stressed out, like if you're a student and you have a big exam or a presentation coming or um Things like holidays or weddings, like anything that adds a bunch of stress to your life can actually cause yeast, yeast infection, right? Like imagine that, like your life is getting more stressful, you're freaking out and then your body's like, ha ha, guess what? Now you have a yeast infection too. <laughs> um, having like moisture around your vagina for long periods of time is really a bad idea. So if you are sweating and wearing like um, some, you know, tight pants or like bike shorts or something to work out in, really important to change those as soon as you're done working out. Or if you have a swimsuit on, um, changing it as soon as you're done swimming so that you have like some breathable dry material near your vagina instead of wet, tight um, material. The vagina does not like that. I mean, there are a lot of shiny fabrics and sparkly fabrics and shimmery fabrics that people make short dresses and leotards and bodysuits and underwear, you know, like shiny underwear. If there is something really shiny, it's probably not very breathable. And all of those things can increase yeast infections. Um, there's a lot of uh, women who you know, yoga pants are the thing. Everyone wears them all the time. There are lots of brands of yoga pants that are not breathable. So by wearing that, you increase your chances of getting a yeast infection because it keeps moist and wet um, all the time. So for yeast infections, you want to get rid of some of that moistness and wetness and change, change clothes afterwards. Oh, you know, those like people who go to the gym and wear the same clothes in and out. Oh, like don't, don't be that person. You want to make sure it's clean. Um, but there's some really fun things you can do about that that we'll talk about on the other side uh, when we're talking about ways to to treat it. But um, underwear that are made out of, that that are made out of plastic, things like a uh, polyester or rayon, like 
don't want to wear those. Breathable. Breathable is your friend for your vagina. Breathable, breathable clothing. There's lots of other things that can cause yeast infections. Um, they are a sexually transmitted infection or STD. Um, so that means that uh, you can pass them back and forth to your partner. Um, if a woman or a trans man has yeast infection and has penetrative sex with somebody with a penis, um, that penis can get yeast infection. And then even if the vagina with yeast infection like uses an ovule or, or, you know, three or seven day treatment and cleans it up, it can just be given right back. Right. So sex can spread them as well. All partners should be checked um, to make sure that it's all cleared up as well. And I would say, you know, it isn't comfortable to have sex when you have a yeast infection. It, it's kind of like your body is saying, hold up, let's just uh, not put anything else in here for a minute. And that's actually going to prevent that, like that, giving it and getting it back and getting it back and getting it back. So I feel like that's like the body being pretty smart there when you're feeling pain, when you try to insert something that's like, okay, hold up. This is, this is not the time for that. Well, I mean, and that's one of the primary symptoms is just vaginal pain. Like it hurts when it's touched. It hurts if things go in, it hurts if sex. And like Spring said, it hurts if you use a tampon. So all of those things, um, other things that can cause yeast infections though, are tampons and pads. If you leave them in too long or don't change them frequently enough. Um, so if you are somebody who menstruates and you're using one of those items, you want to make sure that you're changing it on a frequent schedule. And it's different for pads and for tampons, but like good rule of thumb is you don't want it to be in there for more than four to six hours most of the time, either of them. Yeah. All right. Well, we do need to keep take a short break. Uh, we'll keep talking about yeast infections when we get back. Uh, talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are talking about yeast today, the same kind pretty much that makes delicious bread also causes all kinds of infections. It's not really the same kind. It's just in the same family. Um, causes these issues. You don't you don't want to like harvest this out of your vagina to make bread. <laughs> I bet you we could find a website where people harvest their own yeast oh, to make bread. Or beer. You can make beer. Oh, beer is made out of yeast too. Oh, yeah. so gross. Yeah. Delete I, this part. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm not going to shame anybody's yeast. Um, all right. A few more causes real quick before we go. Anything that really changes your body's immune system. So if you're sick, you can get it. Um, if you go on antibiotics, that can cause it as well, because antibiotics will also kill the good bacteria inside of your vagina. That's something to um, watch out for. So say you have go on antibiotics and you end up getting a yeast infection, you can actually tell your medical providers that because um, if you are prone to that, then they might, um, they can also give you, a, sometimes they have different antibiotics or they might also give you a um, treatment for a yeast infection right then when they give you the antibiotic, just so you don't have to deal with that pain very um, for a very long period of time. So um, if that ever happens to you when you go on antibiotics, just be sure to mention that next time you're prescribed antibiotics. Anything that changes your hormones around can cause them as well. There's lots of women who start using birth control pills um, or the ring or the patch or any of the other kinds of hormone-based birth control. And with it comes a yeast infection. Talk about like, oh, I'm going to be trying to be like, get ready for sex and, and be close. And <laughs> ew, I don't want to be intimate. I have cottage cheesy discharge right now. <laughs> um, and if you have that cottage cheesy discharge, you should not use vaginal sprays, vaginal scents, or vaginal douches all of those things are more likely to cause one 
than to cure one. And there's something else about that cottage cheese discharge. Sometimes it's like right up in the vagina and you're not actually seeing it in your underwear. Like you might not actually see it um, externally, but if you feel that like burning and itching, you could um, take a mirror or a phone or any reflective or a photographic surface uh, to look and see if you see any of the cottage cheesy white discharge, like right inside the lips or inside the vagina. So often um, it it might not come all the way out, but you'll be able to easily see it there. So you can do a little investigative um, search party yourself for that. Investigative journalism. Um, <laughs> it also typically does have a bready, beerish kind of smell. It's not going to smell musty or fishy. If it smells very musty or fishy or sour, it's much more likely to be a bacterial infection. If it smells more bready and yeasty and it's more clumpy, it's more likely to be yeast. Know your discharge. <laughs> All right. So uh, we know some of the symptoms. Um, there's one more cause that I want to talk about, and that's lifestyle issues. Um, so if your diet is poor, and by poor, if you eat tons of carbs and have tons of sugar and you drink sugary drinks, you're much more likely to get a yeast infection because just like when you're making bread, yeast really likes to eat sugar or carbs. Um, so if you fill your body with sugar and carbs, it means that it, it is more likely to get into your vaginal secretions, um, which means that the yeast is more likely to overgrow there at that point as well. Um, and if you do get yeast infections all the time, it might mean that there's another underlying issue. Um, it could mean that there's some sort of immune dysregulation, or it could mean that you have diabetes undiagnosed um, because we know that anything that causes significant immune dysregulation, or if you have uncontrolled diabetes, it means that there's going to be more sugar inside of the vagina. Um, both of those things can cause more yeast infections. And if that's the case, like if you're getting them really frequently, you definitely want to go get it checked out and have a professional, you know, like do a, a broader check of what's happening inside of your body because uncontrolled yeast infections in the long term can cause some other serious issues. They can get up and they can cause pelvic inflammatory disease. They can get up inside of your body cavity. So just, so be pretty careful. If it's a normal one, if you're used to it, it's a few days, it's not that bad. That's one thing. If you're getting them, you know, every single month or every time you have sex or every time you take a bath, that can cause them as well. Um, oh yeah, we forgot to mention, if you take, an, if you take hot baths uh, all the time, or if you sit in hot tubs, um, those can cause, it, cause yeast infections as well. All right. <laughs> what? We can, just, Basically, anything can cause a yeast infection, so just try to be careful. Right. A lot of things can cause them. I think the important lesson here is to know your body, pay attention to what happens in your life, and usually you could you can figure out or, or, or like what what is the trigger, right? Like if you're getting them consistently or persistently, what's causing them? Um, but once you figure out you have one, what are your treatment options, Spring? So um, there's two type of treatment options. There's over-the-counter, and so you can use over-the-counter if you've had a yeast infection before and you know how to self-diagnose it. And then there's also um, one that your doctor can prescribe you. So when a doctor prescribes you one, there is a pill, and it's just one pill. You only have to take it one time. Um, it's very easy. But it takes about any of the treatments, no matter what kind of treatment, it's going to take about a week to work because it needs to like restore this level in the vagina. So even if it's a mild infection, it usually takes several days to get back to balance. So um, 
So when you take the pill, you just take it the one time. And then within a week, you should be back to feeling like your lovely, vaginal, healthy self. Um, and then you can also take these over-the-counter um, treatments, which um, are inserted into the vagina. So these are not pills. They are um, a cream that you're going to insert. Sometimes the cream um, you like shoot up in like with a like little plunger style, which is like kind of fun uh, to do. Or sometimes um, it's a little ovule, like a little egg shaped thing that the cream is inside of that you like shoot up inside. It, either way, it feels like you're playing pinball kind of. You're like... <laughs> um, so there are a lot of different treatments. So like if you look, there's one day ovules and three day ovules and seven day creams um, and they all have different effects and everybody's responds, everybody's body responds to them differently. Um, I have a really good friend who recently got a yeast infection and she chose a one day treatment um, and the outcome was like funny looking backwards, but really, really awful for her when it all happened. Right. The one day treatments are very, very strong. So a lot of people think, oh, I'll take the one day treatment because I want it to be um, healed faster. But it's going to take a week to heal usually no matter what treatment you use. So the one day doesn't actually heal you faster. It just means it's a stronger medication um, that you only insert one time instead of three times over three days. Um, and so a lot of people do have um, a very... Uh, burning bad sensation when they take the one day one because it's such a strong medicine to put inside the vagina. Um, so it's usually recommended that people take the three day treatment because the three day treatment is a more kind of average level of medication. You take it over three days. Um, so the only thing is you have to insert it three times, but there is uh, no other change between that and the one day. So it's still going to uh, take about a week to heal the infection. So I think that's the main thing that people I think are confused about. They think, oh, I want it to be gone faster. So I'll take the one day, but it doesn't heal it faster. And there's the potential that you could um, be really sensitive to that really strong medication and have a lot of um, pain with that one day insertion. And that one day insertion is a like it, it comes in the little egg shaped thing, the ovule that Spring was talking about, but it is like a super, super dense and thick cream and it melts and it essentially takes it four or five days to completely uh, be out of the vagina. Like it takes the vagina a long time to clear it. And that whole time you can have some pretty severe burning or itching. It's kind of like a you're taking a shower and you get some shampoo in your eye and you're like, ow, damn, that burns. Um, a lot of women report that kind of response. You're much better off with the three day. Now, once again, there are times and places where you might just have to only be able to do the one day. And I'm sure there's lots of people with vaginas who can do the one day and it's not a problem, right? But um, most of the time, you're going to want that longer course to prevent that super high dose of the uh, antifungal cream inside of the vagina. And I, I recommend you could even just read some reviews of that. A lot of people have some um, negative responses to that one day one. And um, and it'll it will take a few hours after inserting it for that ovule to melt enough for you to feel that response. So like say you put it in at like 10 o'clock when you go to bed, you'd wake up in the middle of the night if you had that extreme response with extreme pain and burning that takes 
several hours to uh, to subside. So it can be a really intense experience. Um, so yeah, the three day is is the normal recommendation for um, healing these infections safely. <laughs> but overall, treating yeast infections, especially if you're paying to your body attention to your body, and you start that treatment course early, easy, cheap, n- not really very painful. Um, as long as you abstain from sex most of the time during that process. Um, so it's pretty easy to deal with. It's pretty common. Um, be careful with that one day ovule. Um, a lot of women do report, like Spring said, intense burning on their insides. Um, but let's talk about preventing yeast infections for, for probably for the rest of the episodes. We talked about what they are, what causes them, where they come from, what the treatment options are. I want to talk about one more thing about treatment. So if you have a um, partner that did contract the uh, yeast infection from you. So um, if you, for example, are having sex with someone with a penis, um, and they might have contracted it. They might notice um, some uncomfortable sensations like at the tip of their penis usually. Um, and the treatment for that is you can just use the ointment um, that comes with the over-the-counter treatment. So the over-the-counter treatment will have the insertable and then it'll also have a cream that you can put on the outside on your vulva um, for any itching there. And you can use that same cream um, on the tip of the penis. So um, if somebody... Um, that you are having sex with is having some itching, then give them some of that cream and you can just um, give them one of those tubes that comes in one of the boxes for them to use as well. Yeah. Um, And you can also get it on the skin, right? It can be on the skin anywhere on the vulva or on the scrotum or or on the shaft of the penis. Like yeast infections can occur in the skin. Um, And usually it's like a red scaly patchy area. You can apply that same cream there and it will also uh, work to get rid of it as well. Yeah. All right. So how do you prevent them? Um, This is one of the few times where I am going to say something that sounds a little bit hippie. Y'all know that uh, Mm -hmm. I don't do horoscopes or anything like that, but probiotics, right? You hear about them all the time. Uh, People try to sell them to you as a cure for everything. Unfortunately, they're almost a cure for nothing, but (laughs) they are a great preventative for yeast infections. And by preventative, I mean, you can't like just eat them when you get one. You have to eat them consistently or take them consistently, and then they'll work to prevent them. Um, And there's only two kinds of probiotics um, that are uh, lactobacillus and acidophilus. Um, Those are the only two that have been proven to prevent uh, yeast infections. And you can get those in yogurt with live cultures. You can get them in all kinds of fermented foods. Uh, Kombucha. I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. love kombucha. Um, If you look at that label and if it has like those bacteria on it, if you drink one of those every day, your chances of getting a yeast infection massively decrease. Don't go to those weird websites that tell you to fill your vagina with yogurt. Like that is not how probiotics work. Yeah. Don't put them in your vagina. You, 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 you eat, eat them. them and you have to eat <laughs> it pretty much. You want to eat one every day um, forever. Really. <laughs> uh, but that, but that's, that's really how, for those of you who don't know, probiotics, like you take them every day 
Yeah. You have to take them regularly because they don't stay in your body for a long time. So it needs to be like a regular intake. So, you know, you could have like yogurt most days and on days you're not having yogurt, have kombucha or, you know, whatever um, things work in your diet. Yeah. And also, um, you can get them in a pill form, right? So you can just take those um, and you can look up to find, and we can post a link also to, um, to some of those though. You can take them just however feels the most comfortable to you, whether you like them in diet or whether you like them as a supplement. I mean, we should talk to Amazon for all of our listeners. Like there's one brand where it's like $8 a bottle. You take one a day. Um, We'll post a link to it in our notes. And no, we are not sponsored by anybody on anything on Amazon. But it's it's good that everybody knows, like, this is the kind of thing you do, especially if you're somebody who gets them pretty frequently. Like, this is a yeah. great prevention technique. Um, let's see. Some of the other ways that you can prevent them. One is good hygiene. I know we've been talking about hygiene a lot on the show recently. Um but this hygiene is all about just keeping the vagina clean. Like, you don't put soap and water into the vagina, but the vulva and the external parts, you can use mild unscented soap and warm water and keep it clean. But it's more than that. Like if you use sex toys, you don't just throw them back into that bedside drawer. You wash them with hot soapy water or you buy one of those special sex toy cleaners in between each use. And if you have multiple partners who are using them in between each of those partners as well. Um, What are other things you should, oh, like change your sheets frequently, um, change your underwear frequently, like clean clothes, like all of those things are really important for a clean and healthy vagina as well. Spring giving me a funny look. She knows I love talking about hygiene. I know. I also I also love how um, into clean and healthy vaginas Andrew is today. <laughs> hey, 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 it's my job. Um, there, there's another great prevention technique depending on where you live and who you live with and who is in and around your bed or bedroom. Do you know what it is, Spring? It's one of my favorites for whenever I, I tell people about preventing yeast infections. I have no idea what you're about to say. Sleeping naked, sleeping in the nude is actually really good for the vagina. It gives it time to air air out and clean itself without anything on top of it for a while. Because even cotton underwear keeps some of the moisture in, right? So if you sleep completely naked, it's really good for your vagina. Yeah, I love that. And if someone gets mad at you, tell them it's for your vaginal health. Also, consent. Yeah. Consent. <laughs> Let's see. Um, avoiding sitting in hot tubs for long periods of time, avoiding long hot baths. I know that one pain spring, she's probably going to fight me on it, but um, spring loves baths. If you didn't know, like loves, loves, loves baths. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree that long hot baths are going to give you a yeast infection, (laughs) but for some people they will. Um, In that case, you should also be careful with the kind of detergents. A lot of like, like the Mr. Bubble not our sponsor, style bubble baths are full of some pretty harsh chemicals that can disrupt the balance of the vagina. So if you love bubble baths and long hot baths, like just do some research and find one of the like pH balanced, no harsh detergent kind of bubble baths or oils for your tub. um, Just to make sure that, you know, you're not unnecessarily uh, increasing your chances of getting an infection. All right. So I was teaching a sex class to college students a couple years ago, and we were talking about yeast infections. And uh, one of the pieces of advice 
I gave was talking about how you wipe. Um, wiping after peeing, wiping after uh, pooping, whatever you're doing, like the direction matters. And some students didn't know what I meant. And I had to like do a, they might've just been joking with me. Right? Like, <laughs> can you show us? No, but you wipe from front to back. So you start at like the vagina and work towards the anus. So you want to go yeah. like from front to back and you never want to go the other direction. You never want to introduce like butt stuff to the vag. Yeah. And you know, I, um, was always taught to wipe front to back as well. And I remember, um, one of my best friends, um, several years ago, I mean, this is like, you know, we're in our thirties and, uh, we would like go to the bar bathroom together and she would always wipe back to front. And I was like, so alarmed. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, what, what, why are you wiping like that? And, and she was like, what? And yeah, nobody had ever told her. And I was like, that's so dangerous. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you're just pulling bacteria towards your vulva. Like, why do you want to do that? <laughs> front to back, front to back. Yes. Let's see. Um, any other, oh, looser clothing is better. Like if you get them pretty frequently, you might want to not wear yoga pants every day, even though I know that, you know, that's the normal thing for people to wear. You might want to you wear something a little looser, um, dresses and skirts. If you're into those are typically better for the vagina. If you're more prone to yeast infections as well. And if you're going to wear tight stuff, make sure that it's high quality and really breathable. We mentioned that at the beginning, like shiny plastic stuff is really bad for the vagina. Uh, so you want to wear breathable. And you can, you can wear those things occasionally. And if you're not having trouble with yeast infections, that's fine. And some people are more prone to get them, you know, and more sensitive. And so it's kind of just like, you know, a little bit of trial and error. And like when you get one, um, then you can say like, okay, what have I been doing in the past <laughs> several days or week that uh, could have contributed to this? Um, and you can usually identify some things that have happened in the several days before getting, or even just like the day before really <laughs> getting some symptoms. Um, and you're, you're usually able to identify what probably triggered it for you. So once you know what can potentially trigger that for you, then it's a little easier to help prevent them as well. Yeah, exactly. So just pay attention to what's going on. Um, now to the 25% of women who are listening who have never had a yeast infection and you just don't get them, Congratulations. Like that's like winning the bacteria yeast lottery in your body. But for the other 75% of women, like Spring said, just pay attention to changes because normally they're accompanied by some change in your life. Something as simple as not sleeping enough for a few days or being stressed out by something for a few days to changing your underwear, whatever it is, just pay attention to those changes. New sexual partner. Oh yeah. We didn't talk about sex very much. So a lot of women don't want to have sex when they have a yeast infection, but for some of them, it doesn't cause pain. Um, and they might, but during that treatment, you should abstain abstain from sex. Oh, I was just saying that a new sexual partner could also oh, sometimes yeah. trigger a yeast infection if you're not using condoms. Um, so usually condoms don't trigger it, but sometimes uh, just bacteria that you could be getting from a new partner in your body is like, oh, what's this? Um, that can trigger a yeast infection. And sometimes semen can cause one too, because there's quite a bit of sugar in semen and the mm -hmm. yeast loves to eat that as well. So like, just, just, just pay attention to your body, but they're not serious. They're not dangerous. If you take care of them, um, most of the time, like they're a minor inconvenience. And once you figure out what those triggers are, you can work to prevent them. And those probiotics do work for a lot of women as well. And we'll, we'll make sure to post a link in the, uh, the notes for episode today. Yeah. 
Any final yeasty words today, Spring? She's just like staring at the screen. I think it's because I said the word yeasty. A lot of people don't like the word yeasty. I don't think it's that bad. Yeasty? I I don't really know where to go with it. I think, I mean, yeasty, um, yeah, that sounds like a little overwhelming to me as someone who um, has had some bad yeast infections. <laughs> it seems a little alarming. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, you know, once, once you get past those... Uh, those first few days, once you have that treatment going, uh, it's all, you know, gets better and better each day. <laughs> That's and right. It, it really makes you appreciate a healthy vagina too, when you're able to like enjoy sex again, or even just not cry when you insert any menstrual product. <laughs> uh, oh. oh yeah. Sometimes for some women, menstruation can actually cause yeast infections too, because the yeast will get into that blood. Mm. All right. I don't I don't have like huge words of wisdom other than, you know, the reason why I've talked so much today is I really want to destigmatize it. And I think everybody should be able to talk about yeast infections because they are 100 percent normal. They're 100 percent human. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't mess up like you didn't do anything. You just existed because that's where yeast infections really come from. And hopefully you can take a couple of the tips that we talked about today and work to prevent future ones. But um. Yeah, it's normal. Totally normal. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, if you have any questions or comments about this episode or any follow-up questions or anything else that you want to ask us about sex, about love, about romance, about sex, love, romance, uh, about sexual health, about really, we'll talk to you about anything at all. Uh, you can send us your question where the sex rap at gmail.com. You can call us and leave a message on our phone or at 413-I-RAP-IT. Uh, and you should definitely check out our social media at the sex rap on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.